All right, so first of all, hopefully uh, that's new, new scenes. Pastor Bukes left for vacation, and I actually forgot to ask him how far he went. Okay, the, uh, so today we're going to take a look at the birth and uh, the wise men in a variety of movies. So we're going to, if you want to open up your Bibles to, uh, here, just take one, pass it around. Uh, we'll kind of have t- two fingers in Bibles, Matthew chapter 2. And Luke chapter 2 also. Um, so, that's the scenes from Jesus and Nazareth. I intentionally left out Herod, just because it's, uh, that would be like a whole nother, whole nother Friday morning, where uh, Herod, Herod's portrayed in all these movies very differently. And I think each one does something very uh Unique, uh, pretty, pretty. They do it pretty well, I think. Okay, so, so it's a little edited version of what we saw today. All right, so observations from Matthew and Luke uh, from the from the Bible, the context of Jesus's birth. Now, if we take a look at, at you know, Matthew chapter two or one and two, I guess, but chapter two, especially with the visit of the Magi. Now, in the ESV, it's translated as wise men. And in the movies, the movie that we just saw, is it really explained who these people are? No. I mean, so this is something that I'll ask a little bit later, too. You know, what kind of presumptions do films make about the audience? The other thing, too, though, is, is that do you actually need to know who these men are in order to understand the point of their presence. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, whoever they are, um, they're there to highlight the birth of Jesus, and then at this last scene, they actually announce who Jesus is for them. Okay. All right, so the thing is is that um, in Matthew... Matthew chapter 1, you have this whole genealogy, and then the birth of Jesus. The genealogy is basically from Abraham to Jesus, and so you have this grand scope of Jesus' birth coming into this Old Testament story. It's set in this Old Testament story. And the thing is, though, is that that genealogy, even though it encompasses the Old Testament, is not necessarily exclusively Hebrew or Jewish. You know, however you want to say it. Within the genealogy of Jesus, we also have Gentiles. Okay. So, with that said, then, um, we have the introduction of these magi, wise men. The ESV says wise men. The Greek says magi. They're magicians. They're rulers. It's kind of a peculiar word. Um, magicians aren't understood back then as they are today. You know, it's not like David Copperfield shows up. Or uh, David Bain. Or, or Yeah, that's right. So, um, Different cultures, like they met on the road yeah. or something. We don't we know anymore about... Yeah, so we will... Uh, we'll, we'll take a look at another... I think it's King of Kings, and they actually say who these three men are. Does anyone know traditionally what the names of the men are? 
Casper, Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. Yeah. Um, yeah, King of Kings 1961 has uh, voiceover and it tells everybody what, what they are. Which, of course, uh, well, never mind. Okay. I, I am gonna have a, I'm going to have a real temptation to get ahead of myself because as we react to the film, it just, for, like for instance, these names of these people, when you watch the film, of course, now we think these, you know, these are, these are no, we have to watch these films with discipline because there is, uh, I mean, we don't know who these people are. This is an old tradition and uh, it's not really based in, Historical fact. It's, which is fine though. I mean, I don't. It doesn't matter. Right. So, so you don't really. It doesn't really matter who they are. Their function is to point towards Jesus or towards the star. Okay, great. Um, now, Luke though has Jesus's birth in the midst of a political realm, right? In Luke chapter two, we all probably know it from Charlie Brown's Christmas special. In the days of Caesar Augustus, a decree went out. So the context of Jesus' birth now is in this political realm, and you have two kingdoms coming up. The, king, the most powerful kingdom of the world, and then the most powerful king in the universe. And you have these two uh, juxtapositions, uh, juxtaposed next to each other. Um, so, of course, then whose kingdom will last, right? That's kind of the who's going to win out in this battle. All right. There's a lot of other things in, in uh, Matthew and Luke about the context of Jesus' birth, but I want to highlight those because as we watch the films, then we will we'll ask ourselves, do the films consider these points or do they disregard them? And if they disregard them, kind of why? All right, well, first of all, it's important to regard them, though, because, right, because Matthew and Luke agree on the one thing is that Jesus is for everybody, not just the Jews, not just for these people. It's Jesus has come into the world for everybody. And the visit of the Magi is an example of that. You have these guys from outside Israel coming and speaking faithfully about who Jesus is, or their actions do at least. Okay, setting of the birthplace. All right, so both of them, uh, both Matthew and Luke, agree on where Jesus is born, but for different reasons. He's born in Bethlehem, but in Matthew, why is he born in Bethlehem? Matthew chapter 2, we find out he's born in Bethlehem because of because of the Old Testament. The prophet Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, um, says, hey, well, this is, where, this is where he's going to be born. Now, in Luke, though, why is Jesus born in Bethlehem? Census. So what we have here is now we have two kind of two directors, but underlying the Roman director, of course, is God himself. So we have, we have two... Uh, reasons why Jesus is in Bethlehem. Carol? Or even in, in Luke, I mean, he was, Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem because they were of the 
house and lineage of David. Of David, right. Which ties it back to the Old Testament. That's right, yep. Yep. Luke will also have a genealogy, too. So we'll see, we'll see these uh, two different emphasis, but at the same time, they agree with one another. So, yep, that's right. All right, good. Um, but the, the, the reason why I bring that up, though, is because as we watch these films, we see how the director, except for the Gospel of Matthew, um, the movie The Gospel of Matthew, uh, they, they all kind of take these two and put them together. And what's interesting is they put the Old Testament in the words of, in the mouth of who? Who do you think they would put it in? According to Matthew, or uh, Matthew chapter 2, they put it in the mouth of Herod, who quotes it unfaithfully, not faithfully. And then the census is uh, brought up as Joseph being a good citizen. Um, okay, great. So characters, Mary and Joseph, shepherds and the Magi, and then Herod we won't look at. But Okay, so Mary and Joseph. Mary, Joseph has a very active role in Matthew. Mary is a very passive role in Matthew. Angel comes to Joseph. Joseph is the one who uh, is the actor in terms of the marriage. Joseph is the one who's actively taking uh, Mary to Egypt from, the, um, from Herod's cronies. But in Luke, of course, now, Mary takes a more prominent role in the story. All right, so this is important, too, because in the film that we just watched, Jesus and Nazareth, Joseph actually, um, they, they're portrayed in very, very unique terms. Ay, ay, ay. Okay, so um, now the shepherds and magi, again, I, again, I'm, just, I'm really contrasting Matthew and Luke. Shepherds, very important in Luke, not, non-existent in Matthew. Magi, not existent in Luke but prominent in Matthew. Okay, so, but what does their presence confess? The shepherds, why, why is their presence important in the story of the Gospel of Luke? Stace, uh, the, uh, what? And where did, they get, where did they get this information from, the shepherds? From the angels, yeah, from God himself, yeah. So, um, it's highlighting the role of uh, God being the actor and God using humble means. or he, he, yeah, So, using shepherds rather than some prophet or some official. At the same time, though, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, which is quoted in Matthew, the Savior comes to do what? To his people. It's actually not save, it's shepherd. So now again, as Carol has already pointed out, we have these uh, kind of unique uh, storytelling uh, methods, but at the same time, they're also intricately connected. Now the Magi, what does their presence confess? And I've already kind of hinted to it, is this kind of world coming towards Jesus. Which, of course, at the end of Matthew... The world comes to Jesus at the beginning of Matthew, and then what happens at the end of Matthew? 
Yeah, Jesus goes out to the world. Yep. So it's a... It's like a supernova. Okay. Now, um, Herod is not mentioned. Now, if, if you guys want to... I'm going to put the movie on after Bible study. I'm just going to let it roll for an hour if you want to hang out. I'm actually going to start it over, and you'll see a lot of the same images that some of you have already seen, but at the same time, I included everything else, so like Herod's in it um, and his reactions, which are kind of creepy. But um, So Herod, even though we're not talking about it much in Bible study, you can see him afterwards. So if, reflecting upon these stories, I think when we think about Jesus' birth, we might have one of the tellings that we are most drawn to. Um, and I don't know if you guys... I, I personally, I, I'm drawn always to the wise men. I like, I like the wise men. Why do I like the wise men? It must be their clothes. <laughs> I've, always, I've always been fascinated by this trip. Well, that's someone who travels so right. far. Right. And the presents. I think it's interesting to watch this movie and, and see her. They show her expression like when Simeon... Right. Jesus. And you kind of... I always wonder, like, with Mary and Joseph, if they were just steady the whole time thinking, Jesus is the Son of God, or if they were like, oh, maybe he really is the Son of God. Like, you just kind of right. that he's just a child, or were they always, like, keep... Yeah, like, Jesus and Nazareth, how, how were they portrayed? Because we're actually going to... I asked the question in The King of... Marrying the King of Kings is, is, is a very unique perspective. <laughs> it's a little bit kind of unrealistic, kind of creepy. Like. But yeah, so Jesus of Nazareth, they, do, they have a little bit of a like, what is this old crazy man doing kind of look? Just a little bit. I mean, for me, I don't know, maybe that happens back then, you know, some guy comes out of, I mean, it wasn't like it was the... Uh, the priest who was doing the circumcision saying it, it was some guy they had passed walking in who, you know, I, I you know, my kids, uh, you know, oftentimes when we go out in public and sometimes older gentlemen and women just are drawn to babies and kids and they come over and they invade the space, they burst their bubbles, as we tell I, and they, the kids, you know, get nervous. I get really nervous about it. I'm like, what's this old guy going to do? <laughs> so, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, though. But I'd be like, hey, guy, take it easy. I don't know who you are. What, what's, what's your, what are you doing? That would be my... But anyway, so I think about that, too. And when it's not portrayed in any way besides that, I'm always like, yeah, okay. Come on. You made it look a little like she's like... Oh, this really is true. Right. So you, you you just wonder, like we can't know, but you do wonder how much they actually thought about Jesus as just their boy. That's right. Or Jesus is the son. Of yeah. I mean, yeah. I hope I hope we get a chance to see a, a clip from the Miracle Maker. It's a children's Jesus movie, which I happen to love. It's claymation. You won't, you won't probably see it with Pastor Bukes because he, he, he says, you know, I just, it's hard for me to watch. I really love it. And it is actually, the reason why I like it is the, uh, this scene with Mary and the, uh, the reflection of her growth in mothering Jesus. 
just keep talking about the chai. Fine. Okay, nice. Aaron, what were you going to say? I was just thinking, like, what you were saying about, about the old person invading the space. I think what, what kind of struck me watching the movie is that they're constantly having people. I mean, that's the portrayal is one thing after another. Right. Their space invaded. I mean, it's like she's just given birth, and here she's like. Shepherds. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, the reaction in real life would be like, what you, get out of here. Yeah. But, but it is sort of all always just like, and I, and I don't know what the timeline is from scripture of like the wise men actually coming. It sounds like it was later. But right. The trail, it is really like this stuff. One right after another. Well, yeah, so the kid, uh, well, the thing is, by circumcision, he's eight years old, right? So he's got to be at least eight. Eight days, I mean, sorry, eight days. <laughs> he's got, Jesus was a short person. Yes, no, uh, eight days, so he had to be at least eight days old. Uh, and, of course, now people conjecture about the wise men showing up. You know, well, if the star came up when Jesus was born, then it's going to take... A long time, months to get from wherever they're going. Yeah, we don't even know that though. So, and also too, the time of when Jesus is born. Um, you know, I, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Let's put it that way. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really kind of holding that line these days. Is that we don't know. Well, and the thing is, though, is that so. So the thing is, is we shouldn't get too bent out of shape about this when someone tells the story in a way we didn't think so. Okay. So, Holly. Yes. Right. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Right. Yeah, good, good question. Uh, so, Old Testament. There's, there's two really important shepherds in the Old Testament. David and Moses. So when Micah quotes, uh, you know, the one will shepherd his people. He's calling upon the image of Moses and David. Now, Moses and David as shepherds takes on a whole different character than the shepherds that come from the flocks at night. And that is, that is something really important. So that's why King Herod finds it so threatening, is that this guy who's going to shepherd his people is precisely the guy that's going to take, take his, well, theoretically, his spot. Yeah. Because even he, King Herod, is not even a Jewish. Per- he's an uh, 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 Edom. Well, not an Edomite. Um, he's from. Yeah, he's an Edomite. Yeah, so he's like. Uh, he's not even really ethnically even Jew, Jewish, Hebrew. So, um, which is ironic, right? So, he's not really rightfully the king of Jews, anyways. So, Krista. But isn't it? I think. Uh, when Jesus was born, then the time changed from BC to AC. So okay. Was, um, right. You know, <clears throat> wasn't it just the reason <laughs> that, that Jesus was born just as a child? Uh, two or uh, three or four years later. 
you, are you talking about the Wiseman coming or? You know, it was from BC. Uh huh. Before Christ, yeah, right, right. And yeah. And then it starts with one. Right. Oh yeah, that was the Julian calendar. That's like yeah. Well, well, yeah. I mean, the, the, so Jesus comes at the the pleroma, the fullness of time. So, so he came at the right time. Well, what is that time? That's the God's time. So, all right. Well, anyways, the uh, so one of the things that we probably maybe we'll look at today is uh, we have several several movies. But when we watch movies, I don't know. If Pastor Beeks mentioned this. Is that um, I, I briefly touched on it. So we uh, when we watch movies. Like I said, we have to be disciplined, and some movies help us remain active, like active watchers, and then other movies lull us into passivity. Okay, now what do I mean by that? So, um, whenever I watch a movie, I always ask myself, does this film make me work? Some of the best movies I watch, I'm exhausted at the end of them. Not only emotionally, but also kind of intellectually, too. Um, and so if the film helps me make, now that doesn't mean like a film that doesn't make me work, I don't like. I mean, I, I love, I mean, you can ask Holly the, some of the movies I watch. <laughs> I always, I'm, a, I'm always, you know, watch the movies when I'm stretching after running. I always watch the movies that are, um, that never make you work, that are very easy to watch. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> um... Let's see here. Transformers. I mean, there's a variety of movies. So, and I enjoy those. So, there are three stars on my Netflix ratings. Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't want you to think that. Uh, I, I'm, not a, I'm not much of a film snob. I like a lot of movies. All right, but the thing is, though, is that when we watch movies, there's certain things that the, the, the filmmakers will use. And one is voiceover. That's like you'll hear a voice kind of describing what's in the film. Um, I think one of the great there's a there's a great scene in the movie Adaptation. It's a Charlie Kaufman movie from early 2000s, where it's a uh, it's a screenwriter. It's a, it's a story about a screenwriter, and he's actually at the University of Southern California Film School, and the lecturer is talking about how you never start a movie with a voiceover, but of course the movie is starting with a voiceover. But um, the reason why that is is because uh, when you have a voiceover, you're telling the audience what to think, mm-hmm. just about the subject, and then but also think about what's on the screen. And a lot of times, when there is no voiceover, that's usually a sign for us that we have to work at it. We have to ask ourselves what's going on, and then we have to actually we actually have to decide. Okay, um, I already mentioned this about. You know, would you know what was going on without already knowing the story? That's another thing too in the Jesus movies, and um, and then if you ask yourself, well, I wouldn't really know what's going on without voiceover or somebody in the the film saying it. Does that even matter though in terms of the story? Well, actually, take a. I mean, I'm, we're definitely going to see this this gospel movie clip, but I mean, gospel Matthew clip. Um, now. Then in, t- in terms of, so th- those are the things that we have to ask ourselves when we watch the Jesus films because we are so familiar with the story and we're so familiar with our own 
interpretations of the story, that when films come that disagree with that, we have to ask ourselves again, is this a faithful rendering or a faithful account? I, I don't know if you remember. So a faithful rendering can be something that is uh, full of faith, but at the same time, not exactly with the words on the page of the Bible. And a faithful account would be, okay, we're just going to, we're going to take what the words on the page of the Bible and we're going to try our best to mimic that in images. Um, all right, so, so with that said, so, um, so if, if we, we are uh, disconcerted by a film, we have to ask ourselves why. Is it because of our own interpretation? It could be because the film is just poorly done. That's another thing, too. I mean, Kings and King, 1961, I can't stand that movie. It's very hard for me to watch. It's so sappy and overdone and saturated, and the music is just over the top. And holy smokes, I kind of yeah, I kind of feel abused by the movie. Sounds kind of strange, I know, but like, you know, let me let me figure things out on my own. Thank you very much. Okay, so. Um, now, the other thing, too, though, is, is how we feel about this film. So, like, Jesus of Nazareth, I mean, that is, that's not a faithful account whatsoever, right? I mean, uh, but I, I like the movie. I'm always, I'm always, I always am willing to just, I'm always to, ah, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, who, uh, who do the wise men not visit? They're, you know, they visit Herod. And how, how do they know Herod's going to go after the baby? I mean, there's a variety of things you're like, wait a second. <laughs> Right, so he, they know everything, and uh, their calculations, right? They have the calculations. Well, I, I think that's a very interesting whole scenario, right? They, and they, they kind of meet in some valley. That's that scene. They actually don't, they're not traveling together. They travel separately, and then they meet and say, hey, where are you going? I'm going here. Oh, me too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes we're willing to forego the faithful account because it seems like it's a faithful rendering. All right, but that, we've got to watch ourselves when we do that. Well, you, you fill it in or you overlook it. In fact, I think I asked this question. Yeah, uh, on the bottom of the page in the front, does the film, Jesus Nazareth, does the film tell the story in a way that allows you to disbelieve in order to continue watching? What do I mean by disbelieve? That's right, this is not how it happened. But I'm willing to disbelieve that. Meaning that I'm, I'm willing to believe the, the false account in order to keep watching. But you're willing to disbelieve the false account because the story you have told the story. Well, right. And again, we're asking ourselves, is it, does it actually not tell the story? It does, and at the same time, it doesn't. Right. Of course, it's a movie, right? I mean, if we, if we were, no one, no one, no one says this is the word of the Lord at the end of the movie, and we have to say thanks be to God. Um, now the thing is, though, is uh, when we looked at the uh, the King of Kings, nineteen twenty-seven, Cecil DeMille, he actually says, you know, I hope this is a faithful account, which of course, when we watch it, we know it's not. And so there is a little discrepancy where we're going to say, well, Cecil, you are wrong, 
But at the same time, I'm still going to watch this movie. The other thing, too, is the Jesus film. They use a very peculiar word. We w- I don't think we'll get to it today. Um, at the, it, 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 it's very interesting, this Jesus film, how they, how they work the uh, uh, birth and wise men, you know, all the way up to the ba- ba- baptism of Jesus. In, in between the, so it's like, it's like an introduction, and then it switches to the baptism of Jesus, and they say, um, they use the word documentary, which of course in today's world, especially, I mean, in the United States, right? That kind of, you know, that actually means something maybe different than when they originally made the film, because that film's old, right? It's like 30s, it's like 40 years old or something. And, uh, the word documentary today, I mean, there's, I mean, back 40 years ago, how many documentaries were there out there? Uh, I don't know. But now, I mean, it's like one comes out every, every couple of days. And we have a very distinct kind of image of what a documentary means. So, um, so even the Jesus film, it says, hey, at, at the beginning it says, we're telling the story because of the words on the page. And they're, they're attempting, it's very didactic. They want you to be able to read the well, Gospel of Luke and say, oh, hey, what I'm reading is up on the screen. So you could be doing like this the whole time. Um, but the word documentary, though, maybe is a little bit over, an overstatement. Because even in the Jesus films, uh, Anna, the prophetess, isn't in it. And, you know, I mean, there's things that aren't in there. So, um, but sometimes we're willing to disbelieve it. We're like, oh, it's not a documentary. I'm still going to watch it. It's okay. All right, these are all important for us to kind of consider so that we think critically about the Gospels and the relation to how we tell the story, how we communicate that to others in the world. Um, And then there's movie tricks, music, costumes, scenery, and then the acting themselves. Music is a big manipulator in films. Carol. What is it? No, I'm not. It's an Ingrid Bergman movie, somewhat based on. And she always wanted to be a missionary in China, and they say. Oh yeah, right. So she's in this inn. Yes. And um, part of it, the travelers come, and then the missionary had died. Right. When she was alive, she would tell Bible story. Yeah. Well, Ingrid Bergman doesn't know Chinese at the time, so. Chinese helper tells a story. Yeah. Well, he tells it as the Chinese tradesman would like sure. to be told. Right. It's not quite right. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, it's that, it's, it's, yeah. It's it, semi faithful. Yeah, it, yeah, that's good. That's, I mean, but it was told as the audience would. Right. So this is this is yeah this is yeah this is a good point is that uh, this is analogous to the films themselves. There's actually some great images. It's uh, by some Korean artist who basically uh, is like a Korean Jesus, and the the like they're depicting the story of Jesus, and it's along the same lines. It's, it's a Jesus that's in Korea. Now the thing is though, again, we, the fundamental difference though is at the end of that story, where this Chinese tradesman speaks. If he says, this is the word of the Lord, then we have to say, no, it's not, actually. Yeah, it's e- yeah so, like, and, uh, I, you know, I'm sure 
I, I think I would love to, Jonathan, Jonathan Burmeister, Nancy probably and I, and I could, we could talk about it too. Because, I mean, these are the struggles, right, that you deal with um, translation. And filmmaking is a form of translation. We said that a couple weeks ago. Is that when the film takes what's in God's word on the page and then tries to present it in the film, there's translation going on at all times. Rachel. Right. So once you see an image, you know, every Yeah, right. This is great. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, that's right. Now, and that's exactly right. So Rachel is bringing up the image, the the idea of the power of the image. And remember, two weeks ago when I had like the high school graduation Jesus, the Warner Solomon image, and then uh, Jesus from King of Kings, this very blue-eyed, nice, attractive young man, the teenager Jesus, is that these films they inform us of what to think. Now the thing is, I think about when it was pre-films, like how did we picture Jesus? How did, now we use religious art, icons and frescoes. Yeah, and just, you know, just film, you know, pictures of those. So this would be the modern version. I, I, I think so, anyways. Um, Holly. Right. When you're reading words on a page, you don't always get. Not right. That emotions can be dangerous, but they are a part of who we are. That's right. And like you know, when Simeon you know looks at Mary square in the face and says, "In your heart, in." Right. Yeah. I started tearing up because I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And you say that to a new mom with a new baby. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, exactly. And so I actually asked the question when you're watching movies, subjective experience that's influenced by the objective film. So you have something on the film that's objective, it's there. But what is going on from there to here? And there, this is very important for us. So not to get too kind of philosophical about films, which I can easily do. But on a certain level, films are sacramental. Good films. There's a difference between the sac- sacramental. And when I say sacramental, I'm meaning it's a it's a thing. It's a it's a thing that can convey God's message. It's, it's a, yeah. So I use it very gen- generally. Um, it's not a sacrament, obviously, but it's uh, so this idea is that the thing gives something to me as a viewer, where the idol forces me into something. And that is something film, for me, that's always on my mind about film. And when we, when we actually receive something from a film that's genuine, like really a gift, it moves us to our inner being. I mean, it's, it's like life-changing. You know, 
So, like, for instance, well, yeah, so, like, um, I think one of the, one of the uh, we're so, uh, yeah, I think I talked about Mildred Constein. Did I, I told you that quote, right? Pastor, when I go watch a movie, I, I expect to be entertained. I was not entertained by this, but I was, but this was an important thing. She experienced pure gift. She, she thought she was coming into this situation expecting a thing. Meaning, she, she, the only way she Im- imaged, ha, um, imagined film was according to her idea. But the film she watched blew that open. It, it opened up her world. That, I mean, that's the sense of the gift that I'm talking about. So if a film opens up one's world rather than simply affirms or manipulates in a way that you already desire that you're expecting, and then, and then I would say that's kind of a, that's a idolatrous in a sense. I mean, no, no, the film. The film is an idol. When I say idol, again, I'm, I'm using this fast and loose. I don't believe you actually are worshiping the film. Although sometimes I think when we pray to God, as Rachel's already said, the images that are in our brain, we have to be careful about that too. Because don't get me started on the Warner Solomon high school graduation, Jesus. I feel like that's idolatrous. I mean, I, I think I have a very good argument for it being idolatrous. <laughs> I, and I, I mean, I, I, I mean, but I'm not going to go around and tell people, hey, you know, that's, that's an idol. I mean, because it might not be for them. But I feel like that is a, is a, it's a false image that conjures up something that's it's against what's in God's word. So, like, for instance, with films... Films that say the cross has to be a uh, a very a, a certain kind of when you watch a, f- a scene from the cross, we want to have this reaction from the audience. So I'm going to try to make this reaction from the audience. And how am I going to do that? I'm going to use music. I'm going to use uh, makeup. So blood. I'm going to use the actor to act in a certain way that I'm all trying to conjure up the audience to, 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 to react to the scene in a certain way. That, that's, you're not telling the story anymore. You're manipulating people. That's idolatrous. So, like, the Gospel of Matthew, the Pasolini film, the Italian film that's black and white and kind of weird, I feel like does not do that. It, do, it maybe does in a couple scenes, but for the most part, he is the, the film director is very comfortable just putting this thing out on the screen and saying, I'm done. Meaning that I'm, I'm giving this to the audience without any strings attached. So you have Mary and Joseph not talking for the first five, and then for the first 15 minutes, they barely say anything. Well, that's a faithful. That's probably a more accurate rendering of the scripture. But at the same time, as I'm watching this, I'm asking myself, "What's going on here?" But if I was at that time, I would be asking myself the same thing. I'd be like, "What is going on here? These strange people are coming." I mean, is this some kid on the that's in a literally in a hole on the side of a hill? So, the viewer, as as you watch the Gospel of Matthew, is actually 
in a, in a place that's more akin to someone who's experiencing it for the first time. That's a genius. I think it's fascinating. And then on top of that, his use of angles. I've already talked about that, right? Where, you know, when Jesus is chastising the Pharisees, you know, he's, he's over here with the people, and then you never see Jesus and the Pharisees in the same take because there's this gap between them. That's a fascinating thing. There's also a great scene in the beginning where the wise men show up to Jerusalem, and they just, all these people are excited to see him. And they say, hey, where's the king of the Jews? And you, you ask yourself, who, wait, who is he talking to right now? Because you're expecting him to be talking to Herod. Now, the thing is, though, you don't see Herod. Cuts to Herod, and you're thinking, oh, okay, he was talking to Herod. <coughs> well, you find out he, they weren't. Because the next scene, Herod gets up from his seat and starts walking, and the wise men aren't even around. That's a, that was a genius in terms of, oh, we can take a look at it. But, but anyway, okay, so the whole point is, is that that causes the viewer to say, whoa, what's going on? It reevaluates how I understand the text, because the wise men just show up and say, hey, where's the king of the Jews? Then when Herod heard this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem. Pasolini says, wait a second, it's actually not clear that he is speaking, they are speaking directly to Herod, but Herod finds this out. Yeah, because if Herod, if they talk right to Herod, who probably would not find out? All of Jerusalem, because he would keep it secret. But all Jerusalem has heard this too. Okay, so anyway, so that's a long explanation to the, your simple question, but um, and an example of what I mean. <laughs> all right, Krista. That we ever that we don't uh, see the major as going to um, uh, Herod, uh, but on the other hand, uh, uh, I think it's um, Herod uh, uh, invited all his um, uh, um, uh, church. Uh, yeah, right. Yep. And you know, from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, he can walk even. Right. He yep. Send somebody. Uh, that's perhaps that's a miracle too from God mm. that he postponed. Um, well, yeah, but the Magi didn't actually agree to bring in a report, yeah, but that's, yeah. that's a but detail. Well, in the films, in most of the films, somebody is following them. It's it, in all the films, except for the Gospel of Matthew. So in Jesus of Nazareth, you have guards. King of Kings, you have people following the Magi. Uh, greatest story told. You have people following the Magi. Um, and I believe in another Italian film, The Messiah, it also has guards. Some films don't have the Magi in them at all. But so, Krista, it's very interesting that you say that because most directors would say, well, if these guys show up in a kingdom, you better believe a king's going to be finding out what's going on. And uh, so, so this is this is one of the interesting things about the text, about the scripture, and that should cause us uh, dissonance. Wait, this doesn't make sense. What's going on here? 
in the film, the Gospel of Matthew, there's dissonance. And you ask yourself, wait a second, what's going on here? Who are they talking to? Who is he talking to? Oh. I like it. Um, oh, by the way, if you flip it over, I forgot to show this to you two weeks ago. The crazy headdresses of the Gospel of Matthew, those guys that had those weird hats on, it's actually from uh, Francesca. Piero della Francesca. The, the director, even though he was an atheist, Marxist, and homosexual, he was, in fact, an art historian, poet, writer, and obviously film director. So he knew his art history, and he portrayed the Pharisees in, like, uh, Pirero dello Francesca. It's a small picture. I couldn't really blow it up without... But you can, look, you can Google it, Legend of the True Cross. See the hats on those guys? Yeah. Okay, well, we only have like 10 minutes. So um, let's, just, let's just watch some film and then... <laughs> Great job talking. Wow. Um, oh, and by the way, so then I'll, just, I'll let the... If you guys want to hang out, you can talk and watch the films too, I guess. So, all right. All right, we'll just stab it right there. All right, so uh, I, love, I love the fi- uh, for a variety of reasons... Um, first of all, I love Herod. That guy is just a piece of work, isn't he? Uh, now, I think I might have mentioned this before. None, none of these, none of the people acting are, are, are professional actors. They're just people that were around. So the one, the one person that the uh, kind of information about the movie says is the older Mary, Mary at, at the crucifixion, Mother Mary is in fact the director's mother. That's the only one he intentionally cast in the entire movie. So, all right, but that, okay, so, obviously what's unusual in this movie? What about costumes? Obviously the headdresses, right? But not only that, what else did you notice that was a little bit peculiar? And you'll, if we watched The Slaughter of the Innocents, you would see it again. Well, yeah, the wise men, but any of the other characters that were around... Did you happen to notice who was hanging out in the courtyard? They were dressed in medieval attire, tights, goofy hats. Yeah. So throughout the movie, Pasolini says, this story is not 2,000 years. It's 2,000 years old, but how many times has it been retold? 2,000 years worth of time. So the images in the movie that he brings in are highly influenced by... Art. So you have people who are dressed in clothes that are not accurate in terms of history. You have people who are dressed in medieval clothes in this story. Why does he do that? Because he knows the tradition that this story has been being told, 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 told. And as pertinent as it was 2,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago, and then in 1964 when he made it. Now, again, this guy, he's not even a Christian. That's, that's, a genius, that's a genius thing. So this goes back to that question, Aaron, is that when, I, when, when we see this, we ask ourselves, what is going on here? And when you dive into it deeper and deeper, more and more comes out. And you realize that what seems to be goofy or low budget is very intentional 
in terms of telling a story that is just as you know broad and deep as, as the movie itself. Again, now, did you notice when they showed up to Jerusalem, they ask, which seems to be the people, where they are, and then it cuts to Herod. Mm-hmm. But of course, then when Herod, it's just a face shot, and then when he, they do the long shot, Herod is not talking to the wise men. He's talking to the, his cronies, who, of course, look like the mob. I mean, it's <laughs> just, it's genius. I love the use of the spiritual. Well, all right, so that's another thing, too. Well, and he uses St. Matthew's passion, this spiritual motherless child, and he uses them in special, but again, that again goes along with the art history, is you have this Christian story being told from the, uh, you know, Johann Sebastian Bach, classical music, to uh, stories being told in the slave quarters of American, uh, you know, history. And he's... English, that's right. Are you talking about the music right here? Yeah, right. As soon as you showed up, I was like, that sounds like Southern gospel. That's right. Again, another, I mean, so this is where he's, as you watch this film, it touches, so this is the great thing, is is it touches you without telling you how to feel. There's voiceover in this film. It's only when the Old Testament scriptures are quoted. So when it says, out of Egypt I called you, you'll have a voiceover. Um, in Ramah, you know, Rachel weeps for her children in Ramah. It's a voiceover. It's the only voiceover. Most of it is headshots, long, lingering. Because, um, yeah, I mean, Joseph is, a, he's kind of a peculiar guy in the movie, too. I, 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 I really appreciate Joseph in this movie, too. Because he seems so normal. I mean, kind of uncomfortably normal. Yeah, kind of like, I think I got, I think I got a guy in my neighborhood. Who just that, that's the same guy like that. You know. I think what's interesting is this: it, both this movie and the previous one are very subtle in their coloring, very earthy, and like sure. We know, as a child, I loved all the big dramatic Ten Commandments. Right. On Good Friday, I wanted it to go dark from twelve to three. Yes. Every year. Sure. But it's interesting how both these movies are so, like even Mary's like standing in the background right. as is indicative of that patriarchal culture. Sure. And, and you, you don't, everything was just so, it's just so little and subtle. And right. it's even more powerful than the big. Right. So, so the Jesus of Nazareth uses a lot of the old movie tricks, but does it in a way that I think is, is, is good. It's, it's really nice. And the Italian movie also uses some movie tricks, but in like, so they're kind of bookends of good storytelling. Surely, and then we got to go. But the, the Italian film also is really emotional. It comes off that way. Like oh, that, man, you really like that movie. And as I was talking to Nancy, well, yeah, so I, I would say I don't know if it's masculine, although, I mean, Pastor Brooks and I do like it. Um, um, I would argue, well, I would argue, though, it's not very, as Holly says, it's not very emotional. But at the same time, I, I do get very emotional by it. It's one of the, the, the worst scenes that I get so creeped out by is when Salome dances before Herod 
And in the Pasolini movie, it is, it, it, it really strikes me as being a little too realistic. All the other movies, you're kind of like, okay, okay, let's get on with the dance. Oh, the one in The King and Kings 1961, it's like five minutes of dancing. You're like, oh, my word. <laughs> and it's like, I'm like, it's kind of like, that's weird. Like, she's dancing weird. There's no anything. Um, so I would say, though, that the movie itself does connect with you emotionally, but, again, using very different devices. That's why I think... I mean, that's why, I mean, Pastor Bukes had not seen the movie until I showed it to him. So I think it's working out that we're, we're coming to the conclusion that these two movies do things very well, but in a very different way. But you should go see The Miracle Maker. Miracle Maker is just... Claymation. What's that? You can get a library. Um, it's sometimes available on Netflix. I, I don't know if it still is sometimes. I mean, you can rent it from Netflix, but sometimes it's in streaming. Um, we, I have to talk to Pastor Bukes, but we could probably work it out where we, you could borrow it, or we could have a showing of it some Friday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. I, the only thing is, is the children. I don't know what to do with the children. You, you moms would have to figure out what to do with the kids, because uh, I'm very, very open to having a movie. Well, the Miracle Maker, where the kids can watch it. It's a little scary, though, when Jesus, you know, is, you know, scourged and dies. But it's, well, the miracle maker. Just go watch it. It's Jairus' daughter, the one who's raised from the dead, is, uh, the story is, is driven by her, by a child. So it's really good. Okay. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.